गुड मॉर्निंग आई स्नेक द शर्मा आई एम हेयर टू रीड टूडेज द हिंदू न्यूज पेपर दैट इज ऑफ सेकेंड अक्टूबर टू थाउजेंड ट्वेंटी दिस पॉडकास्ट इज फॉर दोस्टू Good morning starting with today's first article that is the prime minister india almost forgot lal bahadur shastri's political life has lessened but it is his sudden passing that vitiates his public recall and his history this article is written by rakesh ankit this passage starts with sharing his birthday with gandhi and coming from the province of jawaharlal nehru lal bahadur shastri was a self effacing layman who became india's second prime minister from 1964 to 1966 his climb atop the greasy pole of politics was preceded by nearly 40 years of participation in the freedom movement of the indian national congress and independent governments However his seemingly unlikely ascent to that office and his untimely demise led him to be overshadowed by his long serving predecessor and successor consequently in the political game current of historical appreciation from colonial and post colonial india both his life and death have found an echo in print and on screen thus first eclipse and now enlarged shastri's prime ministership and its major preoccupations of the language movement the lack of food war and peace and economic crisis are easy to either forget or fabricate setting the bar before that as a minister who resigned twice assuming moral responsibility for railway accidents in 1956 mehboob nagar andhra pradesh and arayalur tamil nadu and setting an early standard shastri was one of six who left their cabinet post in 1963 to work in the party organization under the kamraj plan he was the only one through who was recalled by an ailing prime minister in january 1964 in revo in roving capacity and within 6 month was unanimously unanimously elevated as nehru's successor upon his death in between in a poll conducted by the indian institute of public o- opinion he had received almost half the votes to fill the role these instances make him more and not less likely an answer to that question after nehru who his matter of of fact conduct in office was in the face of not just testing circumstances but also the individual challenge of stepping out of the shadow of his predecessor quite strange on many fronts revisiting shastri's premiership repays an attempt to put things in perspective as arguably his tenure was one of the quite change on most fronts It began amid a renewed bout of food scarcity and resulted in a price rise which can be taken back albeit in a broken line to the days of the second world war and plays in a wider frame of similar problems across the decolonized world more precisely it caused a forex crisis from food procurement and a provincial friction between surplus and deficit zones and saw piecemeal rationing as well as the construction of the food corporation of india on the way to an eventual green revolution 
such systematic challenges and the structural response to them require organizational consensus and federal cooperation as much as prime ministerial control this was more so in the mid 1960s when the monolithizing days of the congress clintel system were on their last legs afflicted by a generational churn among its regional satraps Shastri's selection as prime minister was itself an affirmation of the party's organization and self-correcting mechanism notwithstanding its moral ambiguities and patronage politics in his own flashy ways Shastri would put his imprimatur to weigh down on the corruption induced departures of stalwarts such as Punjab's chief minister Pratap Singh Karon Odisha's chief minister Biren Mitra and Union Finance Minister T.T. Krishnamachari. Equally, he also had a mentoring inside to him, exhibited in his encouragement of the party's Bureau of Parliamentary Research as a former beneficiary. A third domain was the party's factionalism and its constra- and contrasting framing of him as either a leader of too much discussion and indecision or of too little consultation and consensus indeed clichés abound when it comes to shastri's past and present small man stop gap original accidental premier cardboard nationalist many challenges as a report card of shastri's first year of premiership highlighted the language violence in tamil nadu youth challenges in odisha returning president's rule in kerala persisting feuds in Uttar Pradesh, enduring demand for a Punjabi Suba, and continuing fires in Kashmir were some of the question marks at the cross-section of nation, region, and institution for the Prime Minister. In the intonation Al Arena II, Shastri had to navigate between a subdued non-aligned movement, the now-nuclear challenge of China, a change in the Soviet leadership, a new leader in Pakistan, President Ayub Khan, and an Anglo-American Commonwealth combined distracted with varied issues such as Vietnam and Southern Rhodesia. Fittingly for a person whose first foray in foreign affairs had been to Nepal, the first fruit of Shastri's diplomacy was agreement with the then Ceylon on persons of Indian origin there, an endorsement of the importance of neighborhood. Handling Pakistan, if this attention to the neighbor nearby, then an ally far was a virtue initially. It became a necessity in the years of war, that is 1965. First in spring summer was a run of catch dispute with Pakistan where a combination of its remoteness reciprocal military situation on the ground a relatively straightforward question of overdue boundary determination and successful british mediation meant that shastri was content with a reasonable reference to an international tribunal which eventually gave india the lion's share of the demarcated territory however it was in august 18 August 18 years from their independence and partition that India and Pakistan came to their first declared war over that unfinished business from 1947 Jammu and Kashmir as it followed 
Familiar troops of infiltration and mopping up, crossover and confrontation, critical calculations of cooperation from the one side and suspicions of collaboration from the other fail to materialize. Instead, clashes around the then ceasefire line broadened to battles across international borders in Punjab in the first week of September 1965, for which Shastri was then and now hailed for his resolve. Prepared for a prolonged war, he resisted indiscriminate uh, international intercession, restrained internal war fever, especially its potential to deteriorate in the communal outbreaks. remained firm through the retreats in one sector and the advancements in another in the war's widening arc and rallied the country with his call of jai jawan jai kisan to become his epitaph in the end he accepted the soviet offer for mediation and set about the road to tashkent where an agreement was signed with his Pakistani counterpart president Muhammad Ayub Khan in January 1966 more or less restoring the status quo it was there that he died within hours of their declared denouement to war the image of a somber ayub carrying the coffin of shastri was a big symbolic testimony to his short but substantial stature Among the highlights of Shastri's heritage is the shift from personalized to institutionalized government, the laying of stress from industry to agriculture and a move from command to economy, all overtaken by the march of time. His quiet ascent to prime ministership and his loud actions as prime minister fell through the cracks between the Nehruvian era and Indira's India. his motivated resurrection in an outside opposition to those narratives by those whose grandiose rhetoric sits oddly with this dignified reality is his current fate his political life has lessons but unfortunately it is his sudden death that has caused conspiracies and vitiates his public record doing little justice to his history like most in his time he rose humbly from the provinces in national politics and carried his convictions from his faith in people their constitution and representation crucially he remained modest in both his personal probity and policy making and was not invested slow solely in his occupancy of his office this passage is written by rakesh anket who is lecturer in history at logborough university logborough university uk thank you all so hi all of you we are moving towards the second passage of the day that is undying embers Increasing gender sensitivity is crucial to enhancing women's safety. The bleak image of a burning pyre illuminating a ghastly night while policemen stood guard will be forever etched in India's collective memory. A 19-year-old Dalit girl who had been allegedly raped and assaulted at Hathras village in Uttar Pradesh on September 14 succumbed to her injuries on September 29. She was cremated in the dead of 
night with the family claiming that they had been kept away from her last rites this was another unconscionable atrocity committed in uttar pradesh the girl was brutally assaulted when she was doing her chores collecting fodder in the fields along with her mother her spinal cord was fractured and tongue slashed this inhuman act which follows a string of sexual violence cases in uttar pradesh and elsewhere in india highlights some grim, grim truths primarily that the safety of women is not a guarantee despite the stringent laws in place after the nirbhaya rape in delhi in 2012 the government set up a committee headed by justice js verma on its recommendation the criminal law amendment act was amended in 2013 bringing in changes to the indian penal code and other laws this march the four convict of the gang rape of nirbhaya were hanged to death the uttar pradesh government has set up a special investigation team to look into the allegations leveled by the family the chief minister has promised a compensation of 25 lakh rupees and safety that the chief minister had to pledge protection is a tacit admission that the administration has failed its most vulnerable citizens caste tension continues to simmer on the ground with its inevitable cycle of humiliation violence and inequities the girl has been forced to drop out of school years ago the use of sexual violence to oppress lower caste has been on the rise on the question of protecting women uttar pradesh has slipped terribly The latest National Crime Records Bureau data shows that Uttar Pradesh registered the highest number of crimes against women in 2019 according accounting for 14.7% of India's total. Fast tracking the investigation and ensuring justice is the least authorities can do. But the challenge is to ensure that these strategies are not for- forgotten. together with increasing gender sensitivity the uttar pradesh government and other state government must use the law to enhance women's safety else those embers on a sordid night may not be the last one thank you hi guys we are moving to the last passage of the day that is with the title constraining critique amnesty's decision to close shop in india is unfortunate the role played by human rights organization in the documenting and questioning state functioning and excesses is a necessary component of civil society activism which enhances democracy by securing accountability the fact that amnesty international which won the nobel prize in 2000 in 1977 had to halt operations in india because of the freezing of its bank accounts an intrusive scrutiny from state agencies is the refor unfortunate the government's response to amnesty decision that it will not allow interference in domestic political debates by entities funded by foreign donations suggests that this now uh, denomi uh, that this denomi 
is linked to the group's critical reporting of decisions such as the abrogation of special status for Jammu and Kashmir in 2019. The group has maintained that it had raised financial resources lawfully. Amnesty has taken up human rights causes such as minority rights, ending torture, abolition of the death penalty and refugee rights globally. Advocacy of these causes has led to the group being at loggerheads with the regimes of various types from the democratic to the authoritarian across countries. India now joins the ranks of countries such as Russia where the group has stopped operations. There is no doubt that the pursuit of these objections even if it is not uniform across a lopsided world has only enhanced and furthered the cause of human rights and their awareness for global citizens. Democratic regimes that are bound by constitutionalism should not considered critical activism by groups such as Amnesty as being adversarial but instead view it as constructive critique of their functioning. If the critique is not reasoned the state can rebut it through common cues and responses but should not restrict freedom of expression through intimidation or restraining the actions central government in india have consistently registered discomfort with critical civil society organizations over the years but the national democratic alliance led government has taken steps to constrain groups even more especially those that are transnational in their functioning this was exemplified in the monsoon session where amendments to the foreign contribution or regulation act drafted without consulting stakeholders were rushed through parliament with little discussion for india to aspire to become developed and a just nation it must build on its strengths such as its demographic dividend and the procedural institution that have been built over decades for it to reap benefit from these advantages entrepreneurship governmental actions and other economic tools would be necessary but not sufficient the country needs to allow for a vibrant civil society that has spearheaded several reforms related to accountability the right to information act welfare that is the national rural employment guarantee act privacy rights gender equality and rights of sexual minorities environmental activism among others Non-governmental organization will continue to have a role to play in this. It is to be hoped Amnesty's decision to halt operation is therefore temporary and that it would be able to function within India's regulatory framework again. With this we end up today's general session. I hope that you all got the benefit of these sessions and have a nice day. Bye.